everyone, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I am not Renee Small. Unfortunately, she was not able to make it today, but I will carry on the tradition. Um, that being said, thank you everyone for, thank you everyone who's following us on LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow myself as well as our guest. And then for uh, those of you that are on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and that notification button. Um, this is a live podcast, so send in your questions. Uh, tell us where you're calling in from. That way we can uh, interact with you and have the conversation. We have an amazing CISO here today, and we're looking forward to his opinions, but we also want to see your comments to see if you have any questions for them and kind of help integrate you into the conversation. That being said, uh, Siva, you want to give us a little bit of a background on you? And hopefully I didn't butcher your name. <laughs> no, 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 you did not. You're one of the few that uh, that did not butcher my name. So okay. uh, Chris, thanks for having me here. So uh, a little bit about myself. I am currently the head of security at ServiceMax. We are a late stage uh, startup company uh, that is the market leader in um, field service management space, uh, a SaaS company by all uh, means and tradition. Okay, perfect. Um, and you want to give us a little bit of background for yourself? Like, how did you get into cybersecurity? Was mm -hmm. it through the traditional route or was it a totally crazy way? Well, I would not call it totally crazy way, but it was more like the curiosity that drew me towards security. So um, when I started off my career, right, I was a pure software development engineer all okay. i did was build enterprise applications you know java python c++ that that sort of uh, stuff and uh, you know as time progressed uh, i was working with jp morgan at the time you know we were building uh, investment banking data transportation apis uh, it was pretty interesting research oriented work but as time progressed i started engaging with the risk technology team right so I started building applications for the risk team. So essentially, how do we, uh, you know, automate and manage risk? How can we identify, you know, risk oriented with investments and uh, other functions of the bank and et cetera, et cetera. One of the components was uh, meeting the uh, regulatory requirements, right? And that is sort of my, you know, first sneak peek into various aspects of security beyond just the product and technology space. So I had the opportunity to work with um, you know, auditors, uh, work with some regulatory bodies, work with internal and external folks that kind of put a security and regulatory hat on, right? Yeah. As opposed to sitting and coding. So I kind of uh, took a bit of an interest. Now, you know, this is pretty interesting. Like the way they look at problems, the way they think is beyond just building an application. So uh, I thought, you know, it's a, like I said, curiosity drove my career. So I thought, you know, maybe I should kind of learn more about this. So I kind of said sort of a, not goodbye, but kind of a pause to my software development career and took a job with uh, PwC. Uh, again, great organization. I had the opportunity to work with pretty smart people you know, across the country, traveled uh, to various cities, but security was the primary driver, security, privacy, and risk. So... Now, as that went on a few time, a few years, I had the opportunity to do both technical aspects of security and the non-technical strategy as strategic aspects of security. So as time progressed, I wanted to take this combined experience and start building security from ground up uh, at a startup or or of the sort. And mm -hmm. and and I'm here. That, that yeah. so it's kind of curiosity. I was very curious around. You know what are these consultants talking about? Like, and how how is it different than what I am doing or what I'm thinking when I'm building an application? That's the wow. that's the way I got into security. Yeah, nice. I, I mean, and and that's one of the the com competencies that I discuss uh, very often. That um, curiosity is one of those things that really helps you because um, whether you're in incident response, you want to figure out like how did they get in and uh, mm -hmm. what did they do next or mm -hmm. uh, like you, like what are the regulatory requirements that we need to meet in the software design? And mm -hmm. so that's very interesting. Um, yeah. We have some 
callers coming in. Um, looks like we have um, Fortune from uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia. And then we have uh, Ula from um, Canada. So have folks from all over North America call, calling in. Um, so with regards to your view and your experiences, um, mm -hmm. do you feel that we have a shortage of people in cybersecurity? Do we have that that talent gap in, in cybersecurity when we're recruiting people? What's, what's your point of view there? I mean, I don't think there is a uh, gap or shortage in, in, in people, but mm -hmm. there is a gap in the expectations, in my opinion, right? Uh, see, security is one of those spaces where, you know, anyone can come in based on uh, irrespective of their background. You know, you don't have to be pure technical guy to to be a security person. You mean, you, let us say, we have a person that is analytical that want that enjoys reading data, looking at data, investigating around what's happening. So, you know, security has like incident response and forensics that can you know very well align with their you know, interests and goals. Similarly, we have, let us say, a strategy-based person that want to do a lot of thinking, right? There is risk. You know, how do we position risk? Uh, if, if there is a person that is a talker, you know, that enjoys working with, collaborating with you know, cross-functional teams, uh, having conversations and you know, understanding uh, stuff, then there is compliance, right? And then if, let us say, there is a person that's purely technical, you know, somebody that can roll up the sleeves, get their hands dirty and code, there is application security, right? On the other side of the spectrum, if there is somebody that has a, you know, small attention span, there are people like that that are pretty smart, right? <laughs> so so for them, there is all these other aspects such as, you know, penetration testing, right? You know, sit, find a vulnerability, that's it. Take a break, come back, find another vulnerability, you know, penetration testing, red teaming. There are various aspects of security that can cater to various personalities of uh, you know humans right so it's one of the rare spaces that anyone can ha be happy with right so so that's why i say right there is no shortage of skill there are curious people out there that want to get in but there is a gap in expectations right you know, i am hiring manager i do see a lot of you know hiring posts out there for a two-year analyst job, they expect to have CSSP, which in itself requires five years of experience, right? So there's always this conflict, right? And also we expect quite a bit because let us say we have a security operations person. We expect them to know everything about corporate security and everything about disaster recovery on the cloud and incident management on the sim and we want them to be very very proficient with sar and all this other crazy stuff so the point is we need to kind of set our expectations so that we we give the opportunity to hire and grow mentality as yeah. opposed to hire and hit the ground running on day zero yeah um one of the comments that you mentioned was that uh, individuals with a, a short attention span. And uh, Brooklyn29 on YouTube says, thank you for saying that, uh, Siva, uh, because they have a short attention span. And one of the, the challenges uh, for me as well, I mean, I have ADHD. I recently was diagnosed having ADHD as an adult. And mm -hmm. when I read more into it, it it really does change the way that you approach things. Mm -hmm. And I think the topic of tackling neurodiversity within this field has has been a, a bit of a taboo. Um, it's not talked about. And I, I think we should talk about it more because mm -hmm. I, I, this could be just my opinion, but I feel that there's a lot of neurodiversity within within cybersecurity, especially mm -hmm. those that um, potentially do like malware um, analysis, because mm -hmm. you, you you have someone that they, they just have that that really long drive to figure out what's happening, and they dive in the code, and then eight hours later they come back out. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, so, so firstly, you know, I'm sorry to hear uh, that you know you're you're going through this, and I I completely 
agree with you so i have personally known people that uh, that go through um, in a, a lot of trouble and they they take time to identify what they really love and kind of stick to it like i have i had a colleague that is so good at technology that does not want to uh, you know go the management direction because i like I, i'm truly happy right and and uh, you know all i do is bug bounty right all all he does is bug bounty he's like yeah. hey I, i go on the internet i find people that is uh, trying to find gaps in their system and there is that is my requirement i don't have to be speaking with anyone i don't have to be dependent on anyone i roll up my sleeves i work all day get paid for it right so there are a lot of uh, variety of people and and i think we should definitely talk about these things in you know, out and you know, bring them out and uh, in open um, i'm sure you know some of you know we we have fairly mutual connections grace so i know you know quite a few people out there that that go through a lot of stress in in, in security jobs right uh, not not just uh, it's not just the ciso or the head of security that goes through the stress in at every level right there is a lot of uh, stress because we are one of those functions that need to be very alert 24 by 7 right we never know what is going to come which way uh, the recent lock 4g is the perfect example which ruined christmas for a lot of folks right so and i agree i think we should definitely talk about uh, the diversity and uh, the the neurological uh, concerns yeah and the other thing that i wanted to to bring up when it, when it comes to that is once you understand um uh, someone's neurodiversity you could take advantage of that mm-hmm. um there there's been uh stories of companies in germany that uh take individuals that you mentioned like that that have that desire to dive in deep into the code and mm-hmm. they want use them just for that role and mm-hmm. have a whole department around um that role so mm-hmm. uh definitely something we should definitely talk about more um brooklyn says yes neuro- neurodiversity would be a great topic um and then we have another long question um uh, from fortune she said she had an interview on monday with with a company called aqua security Mm-hmm. and you're working on their master's degree and graduating at the end of the year mm-hmm. you're taking their security plus this weekend and you're in the army reserves intel and you have they have a part-time job as a clinical analyst wow they're they're taking many wow. ma- yeah. many things from different areas and you're trying to transition into cyber um their job is complex technical and requires a lot of critical thinking um and they were asked in their interview and a cut off. Oh, man. <laughs> that that was like a a run up. Um yeah. fortune if you could follow up with the rest of that question. Um I don't think it oh, I could see it over here on LinkedIn. Um they were asked about their military experience but was not convinced that the training would suffice as a cyber threat analyst. Um oh. and they weren't sure what to expect. um they were wondering how would a ciso deem such experience as relevant or not actually you know having an army background right would be perfect for any cyber role right because like they are, they go through so much rigor right they know how to handle a stressful situation right? yeah See, having a process on paper is completely different when things start to hit fan right so going through i i mean i know i have worked very very closely with a lot of um, you know men and women that served in the uh, military and they are the perfectly poised controlled people when there is an incident right having an army background is perfect and not to mention you are actually going through quite few other things you know fortune here like he's uh, already working uh, on his security plus you know working on uh, his masters in cybersecurity working as a you know physician uh, or, or you know, supporting physicians all of this shows the drive right towards getting into security right that attitude carries a lot more weight than 
sometimes just a skill set. If you are looking for an analyst role, I think I think you would be a perfect fit. Yeah, it looks like they were looking for a threat analyst role and their reserve role um, status within within the army was as an intel analyst. So yeah. what it sounds like is if the, the hiring manager that they spoke to wasn't convinced, maybe they didn't highlight how the, the transferable skills that they worked on would be relevant to that role. Most of the times that is what happens, right? So because the hiring managers, they go in into, into the interview, like, hey, this is the kind of skill set that I'm looking for, right? Uh, so again, it, it, it also depends on how the candidate is uh, kind of marketing their own skill. This yeah. also depends on the hiring manager to identify, hey, what are all the skills that I can take from this person if I am to get all these skills, what is remaining? What are the gaps that maybe I can cover from a different role or maybe the person can improve on those skills, right? It, it kind of takes a bit of a uh, marriage to be specific. There is a bit of a compromise. That is yeah. that is what pretty much all of security is, right? I'm, I'm pretty confident even as a security leader, we are not subject matter experts in every aspect of security, right? And there's always yeah. learning in the space, right? Uh, you know, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the response to fortune might be like, um, maybe look at the way that you're, you're, you're projecting your skills, you're marketing your skills, um, for a hiring manager and, um, maybe have some mock interviews with others that are in your industry. Um, that way they could potentially highlight what you're missing or how you're marketing yourself. Agreed. LinkedIn is a great space. Uh, I'm pretty confident um, uh, there are a lot of leaders that are more than happy to at least, you know, review your resume, have a mock interview sort of a conversation with you, Fortune. Uh, I know I'm happy to help. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of security leaders would, right? I think preparing and uh, you know, articulating your skill kind of uh, is very important given there is a lot of dynamic activity that happens uh, that happens in the space and, and it's a hot space as well you have yeah. um lots of candidates that mm -hmm. are, are going for these roles so uh sometimes there, there's a lot to choose from and the hiring manager might like you said go in looking for this skill set this skill set and this skill set and if they don't obviously see it um based on your marketing they they, they might not be convinced mm -hmm. So um, that, that brings us to another uh, a question that I had that mm -hmm. um, pings off something you mentioned earlier. You said that there's there's a, a mismatch of expectations. Mm -hmm. Is is that mismatch of expectations both on the candidate side and the hiring manager side? Because I, I think on the candidate side, sometimes we have um, schools, uh, boot camps, that kind of market their training, their master's degree as you get this and you're going to get the job for sure. Mm -hmm. And after they get that, they realize that in the real world, um, mm -hmm. it's not that easy. Not just books and degrees. I think even movies to some extent or, or pop culture to some extent is also the culprit here. You know, predominantly, right? Security is presented as a person wearing a hoodie and gloves and trying to break into like, you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to break into like complex systems, writing a lot of, uh, you know, code with the dark background and green font. In reality, right? In reality, that that is not every job, right? I, I think there is also a mismatch of expectations on the candidates to some extent, right? And the way I basically look at this is, just like software engineering or any other career, right? There is an evolution, right? Uh, so on day one, nobody is going to, you know, uh, expect you to break into like, uh, you know, super secret servers, right? At the same time, yeah. uh, not every job is, is 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 that sexy, right? So the way I the way I uh, guide my mentees around this is, right? One, 
you know, understand what are all domains within security. Try, try and understand what goes uh, in a holistic fashion within cybersecurity, right? And, you know, there is there is no one-size-fits-all kind of a, uh, uh, you know, degree out there where, you know, you do master's from this this uh, university and you automatically get into, like, Department of Defense Cyber Wing, right? Yeah. So I, I think we need to set our own expectations to some extent and understand this is not a sprint. Uh, you know, security career is more of a marathon, right? Yeah. And on the hiring manager side, the challenge there is the landscape is evolving so fast, right? Um, I know it took me more than eight months to hire a cloud security engineer, right? Because purely because there is talent out there, but being aware of cloud ecosystem such as AWS does not make them a cloud security engineer, right? So there's also some expectations that I will have to, uh, uh, the hiring managers will have to set uh, with, the, with the candidate saying, hey, this is how the job is going to be in the, in the first 30, 60, 90 days. And this is how the job is going to be uh, in, in about a year time, right? Mm -hmm. This is my expectation. Does this align with your short-term and long-term goals? Right, having a conversation transparently would actually, yeah. uh, you know, I, I know there are quite a few candidates that that voluntarily pulled their application back, right after after I had that initial conversation, right? Hey, in my expectation, I love that conversation though. Um, <laughs> I, I think all too often you you read a job description and you have the interview and they're two totally different things. Yeah, um, the job description versus the interview. But then I, I love that you said that this is what we're, we're going to onboard you in the first 30 days. We're not going to expect you to, to, to be running right now, but mm -hmm. we do expect you to do some some things during this mm -hmm. time. And then this is how we expect you to grow. I, I, I totally love that because I think most times people come hiring managers are like, OK, they come in day one and you're, you're going to start producing at a hundred percent, but that that's not the case. No. So, so, so this is, this is what I say, right? If the hiring managers are not giving you that breakdown, it is the opportunity for the candidate to proactively ask that question. You need to ask the hiring managers, Hey, no, what do you expect of this role in the first 30, 60, 90, right? If the hiring manager is not able to clearly articulate that, then the job description definitely is going to have a mismatch with the uh, actual job on the you know on, on, on the field right so some yeah. of these things again it, it, it's an evolution like i said right this is not going to happen overnight uh, but as we see more and more people coming into the space and more and more diversity happening into in the space uh, these things will automatically uh, fall in place is is my is my uh, hope Okay, we have a question um, yep. from David on LinkedIn. Siva, what yep. projects would you say you appreciate to see from an entry-level cybersecurity engineer or analyst, like mm -hmm. a Raspberry Pi building, um, building a cybersecurity project? What, what what sort of additional curious projects do you do you like to see um, outside of their experience? Right. So uh, it depends on what kind of role that you are uh, trying to break into, right? If you are looking for a, like I said, an analyst kind of a role, I'd rather mm -hmm. see you do some kind of an incident uh, management related work, right? Take, take, take like an open source thing, you know, let's say Log4j, you know, compile a you know, GitHub related incident report, right? That clearly articulates Hey, this is the problem that occurred on May uh, on you know November of nineteenth, and since then these are the five ten things that had occurred. You know, Apache released this many versions, and this is the nature of patches that have been uh, expected. These are the companies that have been impacted, or if these are the technologies that have been impacted. You know, that basically kind of gives the hiring manager a sneak peek into oh, this person has the ability to conduct a due diligence around incident management, right? But if you are looking for a security engineer kind of a role, right? I would expect you to write, uh, you know, have like a GitHub repository that that write 
that shows your scripting skills, right? You know, somebody that has, you know, created all the shell and Python and PowerPoint, uh, sorry, uh, uh, you know, shell and Python scripts that can achieve automation around uh, general security DLC, right? Somebody that has done penetration testing, somebody that has, uh, you know, experience in, uh, you know, using open source VMs and trying to baking into them. There are quite a few platforms uh, that will uh, let you do these things, right? You know, and, and having your own bug bounty account and, you know, showing your rank within, you know, uh, hacker one or something that, that you have achieved in the last couple of quarters. But these are some of the things that will show some value. The projects such as Raspberry Pi, they may open up doors with more of an IoT security related companies, maybe to a to, to large extent, but you, your traditional SaaS companies don't necessarily deal with Raspberry Pis. Right? Again, they are definitely interesting and, and uh, exciting, but if you want to leverage your work to get into a position of your liking, I like to think in this direction. You know, where I want to go, what is the nature of work that I'll be doing? How can I show that I already have a head start in doing such work? Yeah, I think that the idea that spawned from a lot of Raspberry Pi projects are mm -hmm. like uh, setting up an onion router or mm -hmm. um, like doing doing something that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do um, without spending thousands of dollars. So mm -hmm. um, kind of creating those things. And I think that's why a, a lot of folks um, kind of go to the Raspberry Pi and they mentioned, thank you a lot for the response. Very useful. Yeah. Um, I know one, one of the non-for-profits that I support is called the Whole Cyber Human Initiative. And like you mentioned earlier, when when candidates come to us, we have we expose them to all the colors of the the, the mm -hmm. color wheel for information security. And mm -hmm. recently, one of the, the challenges that we did included something like that incident response situation mm -hmm. where you look at an incident, you create a report uh, for the GRC side or the 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 analyst side of things and then included other bug bounties uh, other uh hack the box type mm -hmm. engagements and one of the things that i've actually recommended for for a long time is if you do hack the box and mm -hmm. you want to say get involved in um reverse engineering or something like that you now go okay so these are all the things that i had to do to achieve it now go in reverse look for your logs Look mm -hmm. for all the indicators of compromise along the way from the steps that you did so that you can follow what a threat actor would have done to achieve mm -hmm. what you did. Exactly. So there are like two, for anyone that want to stay technical in this space, there are two resources, right? One, like you mentioned, hack the box. The other is try hack me, yeah. right? So the benefit with try hack me is that they give bite size videos that will that the candidates can learn skills and try those skills on the environment yeah. right so i think it it is very fortunate to see how you know if, if you if you look at traditional technical routes right there are all these uh, coding dojos you know that will teach you skills right mm -hmm. security it is i'm so thrilled to see within the security space those things have started you know popping up like try hack me is one like uh, uh, hack the box is the other there are a few other places more than that there are so many open source security slack and discord channels that uh, anyone can join and just brainstorm with fellow curious people uh, out, out on the internet right uh, i've uh, i mean again i'm part of uh, quite a few channels like that where we discuss about bots and you know stuff like that i know chris you and i are on, on a few right so for anyone that wants to essentially get into security, the resources these days are ample, right? And uh, uh, given that everybody assumes that there is a security shortage, there are people that are willing to actually help you figure out a way to break into security. Yeah. Uh, one of the other questions from, from our guest is, um, right now you're, you're working on their networking skills and writing down 
notes from uh, incident response and security operations mm -hmm. fundamentals that um, brings up an interesting point is how is networking different in mm -hmm. a cloud first world from your experience? So, well, it, it is so the way it is different is uh, it, it is part of an evolution chain, right? So back in the day, there were VPNs, right? The you know, company had a VPN. There is like DNS protection. You know, somebody will have to monitor some of these things. Even now, they will have to monitor. But in the cloud-first world, the necessity of having a VPN has started to go down, especially in the last two years where everybody is working remotely, right? Unless you are a financially, uh, you know, unless you are a financial service company where everything is, uh, you know, under lock and key. These days, the corporate-wide VPN has, has reasonably gone down, right? So from an evolution standpoint, if you are a networking, uh, if you're a person with networking skills, then the way you should look at cloud is, how is this going to transfer onto a cloud ecosystem, right? There are web application firewalls, there are VPC logs, there are uh, you know uh, other ELB logs that every analyst will have to go through in case there is an event or an incident right so the way i look at it is network has shifted itself from a corporate security domain to a cloud security domain right yeah. it is a way for also you as an individual to evolve from a corporate security space to a cloud security space it actually opened up a path for you there yeah right? de definitely agree with that and when you think about um the differences in uh infrastructure as a service platform mm -hmm. as a service software as a service how how does that affect your shared responsibility as an organization mm -hmm. or an individual um that becomes another interesting aspect mm -hmm. so question question for you that i had um mm -hmm. for individuals looking to get into security would mm -hmm. you expect them to have cloud experience? Um, I would expect them to know how to, uh, you know, spin up a cloud account and uh, you know understand some intrinsics. Let us say, I at least want them to be aware of what an S3 bucket is and why is it used. I want them to at least know, you know, what is the you know differentiation between a uh, in a platform as a service and you know infrastructure as a service. Some of these things, right? Uh, but for anyone that is look, anyone that is like completely non-technical, you know, shifting their complete perspective from a different line of work into security, it is going to be a little challenge. My recommendation for them, uh, this is my my recommendation. Everybody is different. Yeah. My recommendation is to see if you can get into jobs that are with MSSP providers, right or positions that are with consulting companies the reason is the amount of hands-on experience that you will get uh working for some mssps is going to be very very valuable when you transition over from a service-based mssp company to a SaaS based uh organization right companies like these have at least in my experience my conversations with some mssp providers has you know, it, 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 it is, I would not say it is a lower, uh, you know, baseline standard to break in, but the opportunity to learn in those companies is tremendous, right? Uh, if you're having a difficult time breaking into an existing organization, break into those companies, stick around for at least like three, four years, right? That will give you a lot of insight into how data flows and how cloud works and things like that. and then. By the time, you would also have a good understanding of where your heart is, right? Do you want to be a cloud guy? Do you want to be a, uh, you know, operations guy? You, 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 you will make a, you'll be in a good position to make that decision. And then uh, moving on from the organization, that kind of uh, is, a, is the route I would recommend to some of the non-technical folks. Yeah, one of the one of the other similar ways that I've recommended is to, to go work for a vendor. 
vendor um, exactly because yeah not, not only do you have to know that yeah. vendor's product but you have to know the ecosystem you have to know exactly what, what the customers are looking for how to solve their problems mm -hmm. and everything like that so uh that that's definitely another way um mm -hmm. so as we talk about the the evolution one of the things that is changing is from a, a technical aspect coding is becoming more prevalent and more required for many roles um mm -hmm. because now you're having infrastructure as code um mm -hmm. grc as code everything mm -hmm. everything is code um mm -hmm. what are your recommendations when it comes to that so again uh not every job requires for us to sit and code but having an idea of automation and having an idea of uh, what, how can a business control can be translated into a technology conversation, right? Being technically savvy enough to hold yourself both in conversation with the business folks and in conversation with the technical folks that eventually is going to become a baseline requirement, right? Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which kind of uh, domain you are in, right? You know, you you will always engage some other other way with some technical uh, function of the company, whether it is engineering or cloud or uh, even uh, with the uh, even with your vendors around uh, Siemens or like everybody writes code these days, right? I think you don't need to be an expert at writing, you know, ent enterprise level application building, but you need to be at least familiarize yourself with what are these people talking about right how can i uh, interpret this into business language if you are communicating with your senior leadership right or if you are communicating with your own technical members of the of the team right you need to understand the the intrinsics of it not necessarily the uh, actual uh, syntax yeah the, the the joke i make is um I can spin up infrastructure on JSON, but you don't want your enterprise running on my JSON. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 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 a, that's a very good one. Like uh, there is also all this jargon these days, right? Uh, for example, I'm I, I'm sure you're, you're familiar, right? Just in the cloud space, in the last year or so, there have been so many acronyms created and products built, right? There is something from cspm to now you know cppm to now i'm i'm hearing in a few other uh, acronyms with just one domain now imagine translating or extrapolating that to other spaces right so it it is going to be a uh, a uh, in a complex uh, world uh, you know as we as we evolve but that's that's part of the learning curve Right. And, and that goes back to the competency of curiosity that you mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. it's always evolving. It's always changing, and you you always have to learn something new. Um, mm -hmm. Going to that question, what do you do to keep up with the evolving changes? So one thing I do, I, I enjoy you know reading uh, the articles. So I subscribe to you know, Cyber News, uh, you know websites and. Uh, channels uh, like i said i'm also part of uh, quite a few slack and, and discord channels where uh, you know other security people are willing and happy to share what they think is is mm -hmm. the latest and greatest in security now keeping up with the news things like that keeping up with the technology and one more thing i always do is i speak to vendors quite a bit Right, okay. because at the end of the day, there is like build versus buy in this in this day and age. It's all about commercial off the shelf solutions. So, uh, I always keep up with the vendors. Right, I I always try to understand what are they, what is somebody building, and why. Right, how is it solving? What problem are they solving, and is that problem relevant to me? Right, and having such conversations will not just uh, you know keep your will not just help you to keep up to date with the with the trend but also gives an opportunity to introspect and understand right okay why haven't i considered this in my strategy or 
should I even consider this in my strategy? Right? You know, things of that sort. Uh, that's that's one way to keep keep anyone up to date. I love that build versus buy, but then that brings in a, another complexity um, mm -hmm. when it comes to third-party risk and managing mm -hmm. third-party risk. Uh, for example, uh, solar winds, uh, mm -hmm. Napetia. So when when you're looking at this build versus buy, and you choose buy, mm -hmm. what are some of the ways that that you look to mitigate? that risk of potentially not being able to see the code or mm -hmm. uh, not being able to control that they updated to the last version of log4j. Right. So uh, we have a third party risk management program that is part of the security function. So where we uh, do a pre-screening of the vendor, you know, understand what is the nature of this uh, product? Is it touching? our environment is it touching the data uh, if it is touching the data what kind of data it is we have like a not not 300 questions definitely but uh, you know about like five six questions that we uh, you know try to understand the nature of the interaction the vendor would have with the organization and based on that we have a very uh, you know tailored assessment that we send out now we do send out assessment, but the idea of having that assessment is to just a comprehensive insight into the vendor's security posture, right? If they already have some, you know, pre-filled documents, we're happy to accept those. But more than that, we look at their pen testing reports, right? We try to understand how their product is uh, handling data, right? How, how, how they are handling, you know, authentication and authorization and all that good stuff. And if we still have questions, one thing that I have been doing lately is hopping on a call with the CISO of the vendor itself, right? And I, I, I want to hear it from the horse's mouth to understand what do they think problems in their security like, right? What is they? What are the top three things that they are looking to solve from from a security standpoint, right? Again, we do this only for the. We also have a vendor classification. You know, we classify vendors into tier one, two, three, fours, depending on how they interact. Yeah, 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 yeah. So most of the effort is put into you know, tier ones because they somehow touch the data, a compromise on their side will have a grave impact onto our organization. So that is how we approach the, them. But the challenge I see with third-party risk is it is it is with the zero days, right? Now what happened with solar winds that you mentioned, right? Nobody could have actually even caught uh, on the customer side because like there's no third party risk management that actually goes into that level and say you know somebody actually had a password uh, compromised right uh, so there's always a risk that that we cannot plan for yeah definitely definitely um well we have about 15 minutes left and i wanted to get into uh an interesting topic and see your points of view mm -hmm. um earlier we talked about the shortage or potential shortage of skills. So mm -hmm. let's assume that we have a shortage of skills. How mm -hmm. do we develop a pipeline for talent to get into this industry and mm -hmm. um, help prepare us for the next 20 years? Mm -hmm. what, what are your views on that? So uh, one thing, at least, I, I do mentor a few uh, candidates, like you know, no, no more than three in a in a year or or uh, something like that. But the way I basically uh, think through this is, what where is a shortage like, right? What is the space? For instance, we readily know there is a huge shortage, right, uh, in in cloud security. Like I said, it took me eight months to hire a candidate. And what I realized is it's not the shortage of the candidates. It is the mismatch of the alignment between the expectations and the availability of the right uh, right people. So the way I look to bridge this gap is, you know, creating more awareness. You know, having uh, talks and, con uh, and and having pe encouraging people to attend security conferences. Right? Again, not 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 just like things like RSA or DEFCON, like I know they are like <laughs> too big of bees, but even local ones, you know, B-sides, right? I you know, uh, local Silicon Valley chapters, you know, uh, look for candidates that are already part of your, uh, you know, ISC uh, forum, like 
look for candidates that are already part of your uh, you know community that that you are part of right speak to your colleagues and peers in the industry i'm pretty confident you know everyone out there has a person or two on their team that is looking for the next challenge right and if I, you know, let us say if i reach out to you and say chris i'm looking to hire like a you know senior staff level uh, application security engineer and if you know you have a candidate on your team that is looking for you know the, their next adventure i'm pretty certain that you would you know at least make an introduction right so things yeah. like that you know caring and sharing resources is one way to bridge the gap of shortage right uh, as opposed to competing for the same resource we need to start sharing resources uh, you know that will uh, you know help everybody out yeah one of the um, comments from professor roger white is mm-hmm. um, that works uh, i'm working on that at black cybersecurity association to develop mm-hmm that diversity and skills pipeline and um love the comments uh dr doc, sorry professor white um and yeah yeah that's that's another thing that i think we need to do is expand our search area to mm-hmm. not just um like cybersecurity associations um mm-hmm. go to law practices go mm-hmm. to go to um uh, audit yeah. firms go to ma- mathematicians, scientists, like having that diversity of thought um, also helps too. But we also need individuals from different experiences, different cultures, and that will all help solving complex problems. I, I, I can't agree more. Uh, I mean, I actually interviewed for a role. I interviewed a person that has done their law degree, right? They have worked at a law firm for, for, for a few years doing regulation and they want to get into uh, security because there is this whole you know evolution of security and privacy regulations that is happening so yeah. you know, I, I interviewed this candidate and and uh, i i think i think there is a lot of uh, you know interest that is being expressed by cross functional cross domain candidates to enter cybersecurity it is an opportunity for us to see if they fit the bill. Uh, you know, that's that that's the one way of uh, you know bringing more more folks in. Now let's talk about um, earlier in the pipeline. How mm-hmm. do we get that awareness um, in college, high school, mm-hmm. elementary school, middle school? Like, how, mm-hmm. how do we extend the pipeline? Um, shift left, should we say, um, <laughs> to earlier in? in the students' lives so that they're mm-hmm. aware of this and mm-hmm. that it's not just um, a boy's thing or mm-hmm. a nerd thing, um, however you want to show it, that labels that it might have. So everyone's welcome to it. Yes. So uh, very recently, I have done a talk uh, at, a, at a school uh, about uh, you know why college education is important, you know, what are the kind of careers uh, that they can you know, tap into if they were to go to college as opposed to stopping their education after school, right? That was the intention of the topic, right? Halfway through, right, the students kind of derailed the entire conversation and we started talking about cybersecurity, right? Because, like, they were so interested in what kind of a job, uh, you know, the speaker is doing. And it's not just me. Even uh, there were a couple of other panel uh, folks that were speaking, right? So you know, what kind of job the panel uh, was doing and how did they get in and what are the kind of challenges that they face? So to answer your question, the way we create this awareness is to start uh, going to y- your alumni, right? And you know, go back to your school, go back to your u- university, you know, have a conversation, right? Uh, saying, hey, you know, I have I've studied here or even your local school, you don't have to kind of go back to your alum, right? Go- Go to your locals, uh, or if there is an opportunity to speak, right? Have a conversation around why cybersecurity is an interesting, evolving, and a, a fruitful career, and uh, what how security has a uh, you know little to no difficulty entering in entering into the space. Um, what are the skills that's needed? I think that that at least if you speak to fifty students, even if five kids show interest, right? That's a, that's a win. Yeah. 
right? That is that is one way of creating awareness. Okay. Um, here's an interesting question for you. Do mm-hmm. you do you see cybersecurity as a profession or as a trade? I actually see security as a trade, right? The reason is, the reason is it's a, it is embedding itself right into every aspect of the organization right think of it 10 years ago maybe 15 years ago security is street or security was always treated as a back office function right the role of a CISO never existed right or if it has existed it was never given the uh, you know same respect as a CISO is receiving today right but what has changed right the organizations evolved so did the bad actors and security has kind of established itself as a business function as supposed to be uh, establishing establishing as a technology function and tucking away as a back office entity right so when we started treating security function as a business unit that supports the enablement of the organization that is where you see that you know we interact with HR when it comes to, you know, uh, how employee risks are managed. We interact with engineering on how product uh, risks and uh, products are being built. We interact with legal in case there is an incident and need to uh, engage with federal agencies. We interact with finance in case there is a financial fraud or somebody fell for phishing uh, on on any of the other function sites. We interact with uh, sales, right? to help customers understand how well we position ourselves in security. The whole customer trust piece is what I'm referring to, right? Uh, We interact with customer support, right? In case there is a uh, disruption to the business that has happened because of a security event, right? So just by looking at it, right? Security has, security need to interface with every business every function of the company so why not security can be established as a function itself right that's why i see that it it, it, it is it is that is how at least i see it and what are your views if you see it as a trade many trades have apprenticeship Mm -hmm. um what are your views on potentially creating a, a pipeline via apprenticeships where you're mm-hmm. learning on the job, you're, you're still getting that education and mm-hmm. um, you're, you're growing like that. So I, I think having an entrance and apprenticeship is good. I think we are already, uh, I'm part of a mentor program where we work with a university, right? We coach uh, people to some extent and see if they can get an internship, right? While they are in the school so that they can uh, you know, understand the real world of security. Right. See, the challenge there is this. Getting an apprenticeship is one thing, right? The you no know, given security is considered like a very uh what do you say? Uh very obscure area purely because of the domains, right? See, if if, if I'm getting a, an, an intern, right? Do I do I should I put him or her uh you know shadow GRC? Should I have them shadow product security engineer? Should I have them shadow uh, security operations uh, entity? Do I have them shadow cloud security? Uh, Should I have them shadow data protection? They're like multiple ways, right? It kind of becomes a difficult uh, decision even for the hiring manager. Okay, who should I have this person, this person shadow, right? And the person may not even know that security has this many domains. So I think, I think, Apprenticeship program is a good one, but even before the program begins, they need to have like a conversation, like understand the personality of the person so that they can make a decision. You know what? Given this person, I think I think they are they're, they're technically, they may be technically savvy. So let me have them shadow a product uh, engineer, right? Uh, it is, that is what I would, I would think. That, that, okay. That's my opinion. Uh, okay. But schools should actually... Schools or universities should partner with organizations to put a program in place. Okay. Um, I guess internships are a little bit slightly different than apprenticeships. Uh, For example, in in the electrical trade, Mm -hmm. um, you start as a 
uh, a journeyman. No, you progress to a journeyman, but you come in um, with no skills and mm -hmm. then you start to learn on the job. Plus, they supply you with additional education um, mm -hmm. on the side. And mm -hmm. that's how you grow in the role. Um, what are your views on that? I think I think it's not that simple, mm -hmm. right? Uh, see, in case of a trade like that, right? You you essentially uh, you can be maybe walk you know, walk to a you know a, you know a, 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 a company that provides you know uh, electricians as service and then and have somebody shadow the actual electrician, right? But in case of security, it's a lot more streamlined, right? Um, it may work in case of an MSSP service provider, right? That is why I say if there is somebody that is having a hard time breaking in, you should look for joining MSSP or some kind of a SOC service, right? Apprenticeship will definitely work in that space, right? But it may not truly work in a corporate environment because it becomes uh, a little bit difficult to manage the capacity itself. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because, um, see, because there is access also related, right? You no, know, because you have an apprentice, are you going to give them the access that your engineer has? Maybe, maybe not. Right. Yeah. It kind of becomes a bit of, uh, uh, you know, challenge on how we deal with the logistics of it. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, one of the questions from our audience is mm -hmm. what is your favorite cybersecurity related book? Mm. These days, what I'm reading is basically the uh, in a 2020 yearbook, right? Uh, that I recently got uh, that was sent to me. Uh, at least that's that's my uh, latest one today. I think Cyber Warfare is a good one written by you know Nick, Nick Chevlyov. Uh, it's it's a very good book. Anyone who is looking for uh, a non-technical uh, take on security. They should definitely read the book. It's 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 a very good one, right? Okay, okay. Uh, if you are looking for a more hands-on uh, books, then you know practical pen testing things like that. They are they are really good ones. Okay. Yeah. Um. Another question is how can they connect with you? Well, you're on LinkedIn. Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, yes. Reach out, connect with him on LinkedIn, and he'd be happy to to connect with you. Um, we have a couple minutes left. I know one of the, the, the questions that we talked about before is security culture within an organization. Um, mm -hmm. How do you look to evolve security culture within your organization? Uh, see, security and culture, right? They have evolved over a period of time. So back in the day, right? The human was the last line of defense, right? But I respectfully disagree with that statement. Today, I would say human is the first line of defense, right? Everybody in the organization need to know that security is their minimum responsibility. I This is something that I always say with uh, within the team, right? Security is a team sport. I can have a multi-million dollar security budget, have all these fancy tools and defenses in place, but all it takes is like one person to assume that phishing link is real and click on that link. That is all it takes, yeah. right? So security need to be ingrained uh, in in, uh, in in an organization so everybody should think when they find a usb drive while walking to work uh, that says like hey you know game of thrones all eight seasons they should know that they should not plug that in into the office laptop right so you can only get to that state if you make security part of the culture Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, even if it says um, 2022 bonuses, bonuses uh, yeah, exactly. don't fuck it in. <laughs> so so we, we actually conducted such uh, simulations. We dropped USBs uh, uh, saying like, you know, financial numbers, etc. And uh, I'm glad to say that uh, no, no, nobody fell for it other than myself. So that's good. That's good. Um, one of the, the, the questions that I love to ask everyone is that if you had to summarize everything that we talked about into one piece of sage advice for someone looking to break it into the industry, what would mm -hmm. that be? It is uh, reach out to your, uh, within your network, outside of your network, reach out to people. Do not be shy. 
do not be afraid to have a conversation with uh, uh, you know anyone that you think and know are working in security having a simple straight pointed conversation will yield a lot more information and benefit and direction than you know reading through a thousand books right definitely reach out to people reach out to your professors reach out to your colleagues that are in the security space just try and understand like what is happening in their world and how can how can how can you help love it love it love it okay uh that's it for today on CISO Thursdays for breaking into cybersecurity if you're following us on LinkedIn right now um follow or connect with uh, myself or Sylvia um if you're following us on YouTube hit that subscribe button at that notification button and if you're listening to us on podcast after the fact um welcome to share it with everyone that's interested we need lots of folks to come into the industry so just share away and thank you all for joining us on another CISO Thursdays have a great rest of your day join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. for breaking into cybersecurity and we have a marketer turned privacy analyst so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk to them tomorrow and hear their story thank you much thank you everyone Thank you thank you Chris thanks for having me enjoy the rest of the day thanks yep